Welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. And uh, the first thing that we're going to talk about today are some corrections that uh, that were kind of brought up. Uh, past episodes, we've mentioned that Ember Object Proxy and Ember Array Proxy are going away, going the way of the dodo. Uh, but in actuality, um, Ember Array Proxy is still, its visibility is still um, public. Uh, and it, uh, in, there are no known to us efforts to make it private. And uh, Ember Object Proxy, however, is actually marked as private. There is an issue out that um, basically has back and forth between Steph Penner, a few other people, and Robert Jackson. And uh, the end result was that they kind of agreed that it should be made public, or if, if there is a goal to make it to uh, be private, that would go through a formal deprecation process. So basically, we just wanted to make sure that everyone knows that you can still use uh, Ember Array Proxy and, uh, you know, pending the approval of, you know, the, the uh, visibility change to object proxy, uh, you can use that as well. Uh, and it's, you know, all greenfield happy path. I had just assumed that these were going away because they are the underlying uh, primitives behind array controller and object controller. But in fact, they still have applications outside of that. Uh, in fact, uh, we use array proxies on uh, Ember Weekend and, uh, and it's kind of great to be able to pull out an object and perform manipulations when... Uh, whenever you you request something from an array uh, and and kind of do some cool cool stuff, uh, and object proxies are really cool for like asynchronous computed properties, like a computed property macro that returns asynchronous stuff. Um, you can return the pro- uh, the proxy object right away, and then you know it'll fill in its own information uh, when it resolves things like that. Uh, there's definitely a lot of uses for both object proxy and array proxy, and I think object proxy uh, is going to be made public because ostensibly it already is public. There's a lot of people using it. Uh, many library maintainers and library authors are using it. So definitely something that uh, we wanted to uh, to make sure that we pointed out. Thanks to Torn Billups for pointing this out to us uh, via Twitter. Uh, super great to have feedback from uh, from from our, our listeners. And uh, Torn Billups, man, that guy knows how to vim. I saw him at EmberConf. It was amazing. So next, we're going to talk about Ember CLI Cordova and uh, and more specifically Chase's efforts and endeavors uh, in this area. So Cordova is uh, is I want to say the leading branch of uh, PhoneGap. So it lets you uh, write web views and uh, gives you access to um, some of the native uh, the native APIs through plugins, and you can uh, compile uh, to a target like uh, iOS or Android, and uh, you know distribute uh, your your application. Uh, your web application uh, to these mobile platforms. And uh, it's really cool. Uh, you know, obviously it, it's not going to be the best solution for things like, uh, you know, like a video game or something like that, where, you know, you might want to optimize and really utilize the uh, the hardware. But for many, many applications, it's an amazing fit uh, for the speed in which you can develop and, uh, you know, the ease in which you can roll out upgrades and changes. So uh, it's definitely, uh, you know, something we've been, you know, working with uh, here at HashRocket quite a bit. And uh, and we're seeing a lot of you know mobile requests lately, so uh, so it's it's kind of cool, and we're we're definitely diving into it much more uh, exhaustively. Uh, and I think Chase, you've been you've been working with uh, some specific you know Ember add-ons to make all of this stuff feel more native. I want to say, yeah, we've had a couple of apps come in where uh, there's an existing there's an existing application in either iOS or Android, and they want the you know kind of like a similar looking app written in another platform. Um, and um, a lot of times, since we're since we're a web shop, uh, they're also coming in and saying we also want to make a mobile website um, to kind of match the same features. And it, when they when they talk about that, we're immediately considering the idea of making the mobile website and doing it in a way that can be uh, you know cross platform deployed to, to to any any app store. 
Um, and so there's a couple libraries. Obviously, we're using Ember CLI Cordova, but for for UI, um, mobile UI is is uh, is difficult to get right, and you don't want to really uh, roll it on every single application. So uh, there's a there's a lot of great libraries out there that give you mobile elements to to you know look native. So there's like Framework Seven, which gives you uh, iOS Seven look. Look yeah, I've feel. messed with that. The website for that is really cool too, like because it has the uh, it has like the embedded. I want to say it's an iframe where it has an actual little uh, iPhone mockup, and you can yeah. in, actually interact with it. It's very cool. Right. Yeah. And then there's um, and there's also uh, Ionic, and Ionic's nice. Um, it looks uh, very much uh, like iOS seven, but it also has some mix where it kind of starts looking like Android. It looks like they've kind of meshed the the two together so that um, if you make an app that looks the same on both. Kind of both sides are happy with the look and feel. They both kind of look native. Uh, you can also gear them more toward one or the other. But um, so there's an there's an add-on for this called Ember Ionic because um, the main Ionic JavaScript is actually written for Angular. So uh, I, I think this is Eric Brin uh, who started this. Um, and there's you know it's been around for a little while, but uh, I ran into some problems trying to use it because he's using at least in his demo, he's using angle bracket components. And uh, recently, since I'm using uh, the latest version of Ember, I'm actually on, on Canary. There are some uh, there are some problems. Recently, angle bracket components have changed the way they work, and you actually have to. We talked about this last last week. You have to inherit from Glimmer component in order to get that. Right. Yeah. I I uh, I definitely see this being uh, not not too big of a deal to to make sure you 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 stay up with the changes. But yeah, it's definitely got to be. It's it's definitely one more kind of hurdle to jump over to set up this up. But before we continue, can we just talk about how difficult it is to say ionic, ionic? I always want to say iconic every time I see it. No, without <laughs> fail, every single time. It's so crazy. I, I don't even know. There probably is an Ember iconic like an icon framework. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That would be even that'd be amazing. See them like lined up alphabetically on Ember Observer. Like, oh no, I don't know which one's which. So yeah, and then mistype them as you're as you're npm installing. Oh, of course, yeah. or your Ember installing. So uh, a couple of the other changes I had to make in order to kind of uh, make this work the way I needed uh, due to due to mostly changes with Ember. Um, there, the way that you kind of register uh, child components render inside of a parent component. Uh, I know John's talked about this before. Like kind of like child parent communication happening between components. Um, there was a lot of that happening in here uh, because depending on how like what child you rendered in Ember Iconic, see you got me doing it. It's Ember Ionic. It's Ember. It's Ember Ionic, man. It's it's easy. It's easy. You shouldn't even mentioned it. Now like, I, know, I was I, I was I put fine. The seed of doubt in your mind. Yeah, and now I'm it's always just gonna say it. Gone. I'm gonna say Ember I. Ember I. So so <laughs> in Ember Ionic. Uh, when you render a child component, a certain child component, say like a, I think it's an ion item. Uh, if you render that inside of an ion list parent, it renders different depending on depending on what properties you set on the item. The parent may render differently, and depending on what properties you set on the parent, the the child may render differently. So it's there's some really weird crosstalk that happens between these, um, and that just has to do with kind of the way um, that that was geared, uh, kind of written for Angular. Um, there it wasn't so much component, or it wasn't. It wasn't so isolated in the components, um, and so there's a lot of there was a lot of ways to talk and pass variables between them. But now writing them in kind of in the Ember component style, you have to have defined channels to get that that data back in. And uh, so I don't I actually have seen this multiple times in frameworks where you know they have these handles where when the child is rendered, it says look at my surrounding context, find a certain type, and then register myself with that type, and then that type when on registration changes the behavior of the child, and that's very feels very magical and there's not it's not like there's a defined way for that to happen so uh so usually what i end up doing is i try to write it in a way where you have a multiple yield format so if that's what you're really trying to do is you're trying like 
some frameworks will say when you render here you're going to render inside of a header area when this other type renders it's going to render in a footer area if that's really what you're trying to do um, you can actually mimic the ability like a say of rails templates uh, to have to yield a type so you can from the parent uh, template you can actually say yield and give a property called like say footer um, as a string and then the child can can respond respond and uh when and when it handles the the block it can say if the section that i'm being that's being rendered is footer render this one thing if the section's being rendered is a header render another thing that's a it's a pretty decent pattern so you're kind of uh you're kind of faking the yield system out with uh this actually sounds uh, vaguely reminiscent of the way that content for um is working inside of Ember CLI. Yeah, there have been multiple uh, discussions. Every time I want this behavior, I always check and make sure it hasn't already been done um, or hasn't been implemented you know, in, in Ember. And I've seen a lot of discussions about it, and it seems to be a, a feature that's desired, but I think it's more of like an implementation, like how do you get this to work? How does it work? You know, maybe there's some performance implications. Because like now when a block renders, it's like one or the other thing will always render. Like not everything will render. It's going to be called like say three times. And one thing is going to render one time, one's going to render another. There may be uh, performance implications with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely something to keep an eye out. But uh, this this multi yield pattern, I think, is uh, is pretty solid. Uh, I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it a few times. We've we've tried to dabble with it in uh, Ember Weekend. I want to say. Um, yeah. But ended up ended up going with something else because so, very very frequently um, there are like kind of shortcuts you can take and and to avoid using a multi yield pattern where. Maybe just abstracting a new component or something like that will will do, uh, but when that's not possible, this is a really good th- tool to reach for. So, right, very cool. And and you're using this uh, mostly to kind of like make Cordova, you know, look kind of nice and native. And yeah, it's for so it's to get the ionic elements to render properly and in the right places. Um, so, but after after doing those those couple things, you know, just updating the Glimmer components, um, and then uh, changing these 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 couple layout issues, Embryonic works fine. Um, so the next the next thing I I ended up using uh, was Ember Collection, um, and Ember Collection is awesome. It's like the next kind of iteration, I guess, of uh, Ember List View. Um, so I I believe the repo is actually uh, like a clone of of Ember List View that's been like wiped or something. Like it doesn't have the history, but there's definitely tests in there that look like they came from Ember List View. Yeah, I think I think this is a this is like a the direct su- successor. It's kind of the List View version of uh, or like it's List View for one thirteen plus. So glimmer, glimmer list view, uh, and and there's been a a lot of work uh, being put into it. Uh, I think we we talked about this, I want to say last week or two weeks ago, and uh, and and it's definitely something that is is worthwhile, especially for for these kind of like native feeling apps where you want uh, you want that kind of swipey scroll kind of feel, uh, and and it's it's super cool. There's a Slack channel um, called Dev Ember Collection where there's a lot of people like actively contributing to it. So. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, it, it it was it worked pretty much out of the box. I know there there had been some issues before where it didn't work on iOS because of uh, the native scrolling. Uh, it basically, when you try to scroll, iOS wasn't telling Ember that you had scrolled, and so that nothing new would render. Uh, that all seems to be fixed. Um, I'm able to use it uh, in iOS now. There's a couple things that I really think I need though, because in in Cordova, uh, the biggest problem is memory. Um, Cordova's uh, because your web views could you know load a ton of gifs or something. Um, you can you can easily run over your amount of, your allocated amount of memory, and you get memory warnings. Then eventually you get shut down because you've used up too much too much memory. So what, one of the things that this needs, because I tried to do a stress test on it and should, you know have like ten thousand items with gifs in it, uh, motion gifs. Um, I think they're Nicolas Cage gifs actually. 
Yeah. Is that, is that true? I'm pretty <laughs> yeah, sure I saw the Nicolas Cage wall. There's just a wall, wall of place cage. Yep. Um, and yeah, so when all those, when all those load and you start scrolling through, everything's fine. It, you know, it's moving pretty good. Uh, and all of a sudden you get a memory warning and then it crashes out. And, um, there's, there's some tricks you have to do in order to get this to work where you basically have to set the source, um, of this gift to, you know, to, to some blank pixel, um, once it goes off screen, but I have no real time. I don't, I don't know when to do this. So one of the things that'd be really nice with a collection would be like a reuse hook and basically say this like kind of iOS style, like, uh, this cell in, at index, whatever is about to be reused to give you some time to like clean it up. And then there's also this, uh, kind of behavior that it has that when you scroll, it's like a blank cell comes into view if you scroll too fast. And what would be really nice is to be able to do that Facebook style, like kind of ghosted images and text blocks. But in order to do that, you basically need to know that the cell is like kind of about to come into view so that you can render something that's really fast, like a, like just a blank, like a, a gray square or something instead of the image and like some gray blocks instead of the text. Yeah, I think uh, Facebook, Facebook does little bars and Pinterest does a color gradient, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there's a whole bunch of things that would be really fast to load. That would be really nice. Yeah. Uh, like, like maybe, uh, maybe like a, a really dim kind of grayed out version of Nicolas Cage so that when <laughs> the GIF comes in and starts animating, you're like, oh yeah, that was supposed to be a cage, but it's loading. It's cool. I just want like a stick figure version of cage. Like <laughs> yeah, that just loads really fast. Nicolas Cage. Oh man. Get that domain. <laughs> yeah. So there's, um, there's a lot of work I've been doing with Cordova. Um, you know, so far I'm really happy with uh, how fast that I, I can develop. Uh, I used to do mobile development. Don't tell anyone. Um, I really don't like doing it. And uh, I think this is like a, this is a much better uh, solution in my mind. Like we, I get to use the skills I built up for web. I'm not solving the same problem in, th- you know, four different ways, depending on what platform I'm on. Um, I really think uh, th- this is the way that, uh, especially when you're mocking up an app and you don't really know what you want, it's easy, much easier to develop a mobile website. And if you want to just get it on an application and see how people like it, then you can de- deploy it with Cordova. Maybe once it gets nailed down and you really like, you know, that's exactly what your users want. Uh, then write it native. Yeah, I think I think that that's uh, that's a really good insight. Uh, something that I've seen here a lot is uh, uh, mobile mobile work uh, in iOS tends to be a lot more rigid than web development. So when style changes need to come in, uh, you know, in in web you're like, oh yeah, we'll just move that around. But uh, in iOS, that ends up being like a considerable amount of work uh, for for what appear to you know the client as as a as a trivial change. So. Uh, yeah, I think I think definitely trying to solidify um, needs with this is great, and some apps like this this suits better just in the long run as well. Actually, probably many. Uh, so I think it's it's definitely a technology worth considering. Yeah. Fellow Rocketeer Micah Woods put out a an article recently uh, about how to write smoke tests for an Ember Rail stack, and uh, and this this is a this is a topic that's really important to me. Uh, because uh, I think there's, you know, testing is is something that I really I really value, and uh, and I've worked on uh, I've worked on projects like this, uh, Ember CLI Rails. I worked with uh, Pavel Pravasud and uh, and Sean Doyle to uh, to help make that project um, kind of allow you to write you know full end to end acceptance tests in uh, in Ember and with the Rails backend, and uh, and it's it's been great, but there's some problems there. It still uses the Rails asset pipeline. Uh, so there's some performance things there. It simplifies deployment, or at least it did. I don't know if that's necessarily true anymore with some of the uh, some of the stuff with Ember CLI deploy. Um, uh, in this article, Michael Woods kind of outlines the, his proposal for kind of how to how to allow Cucumber integration tests or or RSpec integration tests 
outside of your Ember or your Rails app that kind of boots both of them up and then runs it against them. Uh, and his gem is called Exhaust. And, uh, and I'm going to try it very soon on a production app uh, to see if we couldn't pull... Uh, we have a lot of Cucumber tests that you know test the, the app end-to-end and see if we can't pull it over and do this new style. And then deployments become uh, more conventional and asset management and you know knowing where things belong becomes a lot more clear uh, because you know basically Ember is all of the static front end uh, assets and then Rails is just the API. Uh, whereas kind of right now there's a little bit of murkiness uh, in in most solutions that I've seen with Rails too. So uh, I, I'm definitely excited about the work he's been doing and the the blog post is really fun to read too. Uh, he's got a he's got a very unique kind of flair. So. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, um, you know, Mike asked both of us to help him edit, make sure, you know, there weren't any problems. And uh, yeah, it seemed like a, it, it was a great article. Like you said, it's, it's pretty funny. Um, he's got, he does definitely have like a, a sense of humor in it. Yeah, but um, definitely check it out. Uh, if you're a Rails developer um, and you're, you're learning Ember and, you know, you want to know how to pull it in, this is, this is a really good way to, uh, to be able to use Ember CLI and all the things that that has to offer, um, but still, you know, still use all your knowledge with Rails. Uh, if you like Cucumber, you like RSpec. Um, this is this is probably a good solution for you. Definitely. And that's all we have for this Ember weekend. I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we'll see you next week.